The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. We'll now um, continue our exploration of the Buddha through a guided meditation. So if you could please find a posture um, that's upright and also relaxed, somewhere where you'll be able to sit for, you know, 15 minutes or so. And I'm actually going to ask that you begin with your eyes open for a moment. Um, I'm sitting in front of a representation of the Buddha. Well, you can see that. But just um, take a moment to have a look at the Buddha, the figure that we inherit of what the Buddha might have looked like. And, you know, just allow your eyes to kind of take that in, bring it into your awareness. And then uh, when you're ready, you can settle in and, and close your eyes and just allow the yourself to feel your posture as you sit. I suggested upright and also relaxed, which is a fairly standard instruction, but we can consider that we are in some way sitting as the Buddha did. Even if you're not sitting upright, if you need to lie down, there can still be an understanding of adopting a noble-like posture. The figure of the Buddha sits um, in a way where his shoulders are down. He's not hunched up and tight. And often the, um, the chest area of a Buddha figure will be um, somewhat forward in a posture that is meant to express confidence. So there's something about the way a Buddha looks when you see it that has been put there deliberately. There's this sense of confidence, serenity, calm, non-fear, uprightness. And we can be inspired by these qualities and just to whatever degree at this moment infuse our posture with what we can sense from that. And in addition, we can begin with a, a short reflection on the Buddha himself. The Buddha was a human being, as we're reading in this sutta. And in addition, he is one who found awakening. He found freedom from all the stresses and struggles of the human life, the human condition. There is a way to live without struggle. Fortunately, the Buddha also found a way to convey this to others. Through his teachings, through his very bearing and way of being in the world. Through his establishment of a, 
of a sangha, of a way of living that would be supportive also of find others finding this freedom through many different channels. He spread what he understood out into the world. And it echoed for, has still echoed for many, many centuries. We are the recipients of this. To whatever degree this connects with your heart, allow yourself to feel some inspiration in this amazing human being. The ongoing transmission of his energy, love, life, knowing, awakening, however you see it, all the way down to us, right here, sitting, receiving that. Perhaps there's even a bit of joy, an inner smile, like the mild smile on a Buddha figure. Just allowing yourself to rest in these feelings. As we sit in stillness, we may then begin to bring into awareness the sensations of the breath. The most basic indication of life. Allowing the breath to infuse the body, the heart. And the mind, the inspiration or the joy that we're feeling from our reflection, breathe through that. And just like us, the Buddha also breathed. We know that the Buddha did breath meditation. And 
and likely as he breathed in and out, knowing those very simple breath sensations, they were not so different for the Buddha as they are for us. Perhaps you have other sensations in the body. You're also hearing the sound around you, the sound of my voice, hearing. The Buddha also had body sensations. He heard things. He noticed how these things arose and passed and they were probably very similar in sensation as what we are feeling and hearing at this moment. As we continue to sit with our basic bodily and breath experience, we may notice that some sensations are very pleasant, some unpleasant. Some neither pleasant nor unpleasant. The basic feeling tone of our human experience The Buddha also experienced pleasant, painful, and neither. He knew those sensations as they were, arising, passing, changing, some strong, some weak, not so different from how they are for us. And we may notice in our mind that there are some thoughts coming and going. Some views, some intentions. The Buddha also had thoughts 
He spoke, he gave opinions about things. He could think too. He understood about his thoughts coming and going. It's probably not so different from ours. We can also notice that there are times when our mind gets caught up in some kind of suffering, wanting, not wanting, lack of clarity. We may notice in our meditation that this too comes and goes. Suffering comes and goes. Sometimes it's there and sometimes the mind is clear, content, gathered. So we have our moments when our mind is like that of the Buddha. Knowing the coming and the going, continual change of how it is to be human. And knowing that there is that possibility of meeting it with complete clarity, lack of resistance, lack of grasping. This is possible. This is possible. Thank you, Kim. That was that was beautiful. It was so nice, and it was nice to look at the Buddha, that Buddha figure there. Thank you, Kim. That was I don't know. I felt myself feeling inspired, and thank you, David, for this introduction to the first part of the teachings here. That was really beautiful. So now I would like to open it up. To you guys and here's some comments you might have or some questions you might have 
either from the teachings that we heard from David or the guided meditation that we had from Kim, kind of relating to the Buddha, the main character, of course, in the Mahaparinibbana Sutta. Or maybe there's some other questions or some other comments that you have, but uh, I'd like to open it up. And again, you can um, use the reactions, or I believe also, if you um, also uh, go to participants, this is my understanding, also at the bottom of the screen, you can raise your hand there. And if you're on a phone or a tablet or somehow this doesn't seem clear to you, the three dots are always a good uh, a good thing to investigate if you see the three dots at the bottom of your screen or, or top of the screen or something like that. So um, let's see if you have your hands up. So Anne, yes. I just have a question about chapter 2.2. I know that whenever the Buddha talks about the Four Noble Truths, he says your understanding should be penetrating or penetrative. What exactly does that word mean? I've always wondered that. David, do you want to comment? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I guess um, I guess there are many ways that one might ask that question, you know, in the context of, of this tradition. And uh, another very similar one, what would be, what might it be like to have insight, right? Insight into suffering, it's arising, it's cessation. So I just say that because I think this question comes up in our practice. But I think the essential meaning of that, of that idea of penetrative, maybe more than the word, is to, I think you could say, see into it, see through it, and see clearly what's going on when suffering is coming up and when suffering is thinning out or, or passing away. And that is what we're sort of reminded to sort of engage in again and again is to get inside suffering, to turn toward it instead of away from it in our experience. Understanding from these teachings that within it lies some central uh, truth of, of how to meet life, as Kim said so beautifully, how to meet the experience that we find ourselves in without suffering, without responding to it in ways that... Um, you know, in which there's stress. And I think maybe that's enough for the moment. I suspect we'll get more into this as we get further into the sutta, but that's just sort of one way to kind of open that up right now. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And David Weisskopf. Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's um, when David, the other David, was doing the, uh, talking about how Ananda's, questions could be wearisome to him <clears throat> made me think back uh, about the comment of the where was the buddha fallible and um you know another place where he said it would be weary for him was if he tried to teach to others ironically right after his enlightenment right his awakening he's kind of like ah why bother so, I mean, I just bring that up as maybe one of the most fallible things that the Buddha ever, you know, demonstrated. Thank you. Thank you, David. 
Yeah, there's so many little interesting bits about uh, the Buddha's life story. Thank you. Uh, Lisa. Um, I just wondered about the term you stream winner. Just wondered if you could explain that a little bit, what stream winner means. Do any of my co-teachers like to address this? You know, I, I, I'll say this, and maybe others have others to offer, but I think um, maybe the significant thing there is the use of the word stream and a water metaphor to suggest that um, as, as sort of unwavering or unshakable confidence develops in the, the potential of being more awake, Kim referred to at the end of the guided meditation, this, she said, Kim said, this is possible, this being here now with this attitude toward experience. So I think entry, that idea of sort of being in a stream of, um, of, um, of being in a stream of awareness, of open awareness, of curiosity, and a stream of maybe letting go uh, is, is maybe the best way to capture it. It comes to have technical meanings and fits into a hierarchy of different kinds of being awake or different um, different levels maybe of being awake. And we'll get, I think we'll get more into that as we, as we continue. Does any, Diana, do you want to add more or Kim? Ying? Uh, maybe I'll just say briefly that it is recognized as a technical term and it's, if there's different levels, if you will, of awakening, if you will, and to be a stream winner, stream enterer is the first, is the first level. Perhaps we'll talk a little bit more about that. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, maybe one other thing to add is that this confirmed confidence in Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha um, implies that one has a clear understanding of the Four Noble Truths. And so that would include the third truth of cessation of suffering. So one really has to know what that refers to. Thank you, Kim. Yan Li. And then that she's probably the last one. We want to respect everybody's time. But yes, Yan Li. Um, hi. So I have two questions. One is uh, what is said. Um, so in 2.9, there says four pairs of persons and eight kinds of humans. What, what does that refer to? And uh, uh, my second question is um, I feel a little bad asking this question. It's also about 2.9. Um, so first of all, um, 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 although I've been practicing and uh, have, uh, you know, done many retreats and my face is, like I can see that my face grows with, um, each retreat goes by, but I'm pretty new in terms of reading uh, sutta. And this never crossed my mind, like taking refuge, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. This never crossed my mind, but when I read 2.9, it feels a little weird. Well, like when Buddha says, uh, like when we say that we take refuge, we have confidence in Buddha, that it's just, completely like resonant but like when buddha says that himself it feels a little like 
<laughs> it feels a little weird. Like I can't, you know, I trust Gil and Tom, but I can't imagine <laughs> saying this, you know, like, um, yeah, teacher of gods and humans. It's, yeah, I wonder whether you can comment on this. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Yanli. Would any of my co-teachers like to comment? I would just say, I think any of us could say this, but the four kinds of persons are the, in a way, refer to the technical categories that Diana just mentioned, stream winner or once return or never return or arhat. And again, we'll probably have reason to mention, but that's four kinds of persons. It is sort of code for that. And it, the idea is that the community that he's addressing this or that, that one comes to have confidence in, that there is, there is the demonstration or the um, there is awakening in the community. There is, there, you know, at various ways in this continuum, there is some awakening. I would just say this, I, it's a great point. We don't have time to get into it, but yeah, it's important to go to some, notice the discomfort that can come up and just, be, you know, recognize what's going on. I think this is a, though, one of the teachings here, I didn't even mention it is, this is a mirror of Dharma. So it's really about reflecting on our own experience. There's other suttas that where the Buddha uses the metaphor of the mirror to talk about the importance of reflecting on our own experience. And so I think, I think we don't have to take this as imposed. It really is a way to kind of, it is an instruction or an encouragement to check in with our own experience as um, sort of a, um, a way of knowing um, where, where we are in the practice. I think we should respect people's time and we'll, we'll have more opportunity to talk and we look forward to it very quickly as we go. We have the end, we assign homework and really we just play around with this concept. But between now and Tuesday, um, it can be useful to reread the Sutta. And this is something we'll be doing. That's part of this is to kind of keep returning to these texts because they look different every time under each different light. And using, bringing them into the meditation. When discomfort arises, Yan Li, for example, as, or I should say, as Yan Li mentions, that'll happen. Things will be opaque. They won't make sense. They'll be offensive. They'll run counter to our notions of what we thought we knew. That's part of what we, and we, we, we don't, we don't kind of come to these with clarity. We do the same thing. And that's part of the study and practice mode is to go, oh, this doesn't, this doesn't settle quite good. It, it triggers this, it pushes that, you know, that's that's part of it so that's that's our uh, that's our idea for homework is to keep keep in this study and practice mode through this week um kind of a retreat running in in between the emails the zoom calls and the responsibilities around the household and out in the world anyway that's my final word Does somebody else want to close today ying since you go back into retreat would you Yeah, so well said. I hope this um, session that opened up some chapters of the Buddhist life and his disciples and people he met um, bring some form of inspiration or maybe uh, touches your heart, your mind, your body in some way and allow that to cook in you. And uh, we'll meet again on Tuesday. So be well. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. And if you like, you can unmute and we'll say Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.